0: We're going to be in the book of Genesis chapter 49, verse 8 through 12 this morning. If you want, you can begin to make your way there. Genesis chapter 49, verse 8 through 12. If you're following along on our Movement Church app, I would highly recommend you download that. It makes things really simple. Uh, We have notes in there from this morning. There's a lot of other resources on that app, but uh, we have sermon notes on our Sunday services, and so that whole passage that I'm about to read that we're going to go through is in there. Or you can join with a good old-fashioned and bible like the one I have sitting here. We talked for a number of weeks. I'm just going to recap really quickly. We talked for a number of weeks about the armor of God. We talked about prayer, being married to the armor of God, and how you can't decouple the two. And last week, I jumped into the introduction of this little mini-series that we're in about putting into action the information that we just learned. In fact, what I defined last week was that information plus activation equals transformation, that oftentimes I believe this about who God is. God wants us to live a transformed life. And oftentimes in my life, I receive information and I don't activate the information and I don't see the transformation. It can get really frustrating. And perhaps I stay stuck in some situations that God doesn't want me stuck in, and I'm frustrated and don't want to be stuck in. But we walked away last week, and we said to do uh, the 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 one thing we asked for was to uh, come today with a a need that you have identified, one thing that you need prayer for, and one thing that someone close to you needs prayer for. So hopefully you showed up with those things. Today we're going to talk about the first of the three items that we discussed last week, which were, when we pray, we want to be led by praise. We want to ask for wisdom first. We don't want to ask God to fix the problem. We want to say, God, give us wisdom. And then we want to stand and trust that he actually is a provision. I'm going to have them throw up a slide really quick. And this is the picture of what we talked about last week. This is the nation of Israel as they traveled through the desert. The nation of Israel was broken up into 12 different tribes. We see the 12 tribes here. We see three tra- tribes in what's called a squadron. There's four squadrons that you can see. In the center of the nation of Israel as they camped. They would camp in the form of a cross with the tabernacle or God in the center. So last we've said, we said, we're going to pray for these things with God at the center. But ultimately... We're going to be focusing on the right side where it says Camp of Judah. In that squadron, the three tribes attached are Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Judah represents praise. Issachar represents wisdom that we're going to ask for. Zebulun, the provision that we're going to trust God for. Today we're going to focus on prayer being led by praise. And what my hope is is that I'm going to uh, break down some of who Judah was and some different things about Judah as a person. Some things that then we're going to be able to correlate to our personal life as we praise. And it's going to begin to tie some things together for us. Let's read Genesis 49, starting in verse 8. It says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies, and your father's sons will bow down to you. Now, let's stop for a second and let's define who is writing this. And who they're speaking to. And in fact, this is an account of this guy, Judah, who is receiving this blessing right now. And he's receiving this blessing from his father, Jacob. And so Jacob as a dad is looking at his 12 sons. And in this part of Genesis is giving them their blessings. He's saying to them, here are the things that I have for you. Here are my instructions for you. And there's 12 sons. Each one of them represent the 12 tribes that we just saw that make up the 12 tribes of Israel that we see moving through the desert. And as they camp, they camp in the form of a cross. So this is Jacob the father saying to his son Judah, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to arouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs. And the obedience of the nations is his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. And he will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes, His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. There's three components that we're going to talk today about Judah as it pertains to praise and us leading our prayers with praise. The first thing we're going to talk about is prayer-led praise can change anything. We're going to establish just right out of the gates that when we pray led with praise, that it can change anything. Number two, that prayer led by praise defines who you are. That when you pray led by praise, it defines who you are. And number three, when you pray led by praise, you take territory. You take territory. Let's talk about Judah really quickly. I'm gonna lay some some groundwork here, some foundation for who he is. This is Judah, your brothers will praise you, your hand will be on the neck of your enemies, your father's son will bow down to you. So we see that Judah is a person. Judah is, is uh, a son, he's a brother. And as this passage goes on, your father's sons will bow down to you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. That we also have to understand that Judah is is a person, but Judah is also a tribe. So we see the tribe of Judah. And Judah ends up, Judah at this point of receiving Jacob's blessing is not yet. But Jacob will become an entire territory. Judah will actually become a kingdom of the nation of Israel. And we're going to look at that a little bit later in a minute. So Judah is personal. He's tribal. So it represents a people and a territory, a kingdom. So let me say it this way. Judah was a person, a people group, a community. And then also Judah went on to represent and become a place, a destination, a location. Something beyond just a small family, but something that's broader. And We also have to understand what Judah's name means. Judah means praise Yahweh. And this word Yahweh, as described by Jews, means this. That we're going to praise Yahweh. We're not going to praise the God of fertility. We're not going to praise the God of finances, the God of safe travel, peaceful passage. We're not going to praise any god Of anything, there's only one true God. In fact, we're going to praise, this name Judah means praise Yahweh, so it's very intentional. It's intentionally aimed at praise toward Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Yahweh is made up in the Greek, I mean in the Hebrew, is made up of four letters. Of four letters. The letter Y, the letter H, the letter W, and the letter H. Now in English, we see Yahweh spelled a little bit differently. We see Yahweh spelled Y-A-H-W-E-H because we do funny things in English and, and through Greek translation. But I, I want to tell you that if, if you were a Jew and you were reading this in context of Genesis, you would see it Y-H-W-H. And what that means is, is it simply means God. So on the surface, it's we're going to praise God but we have to go a little bit past that we're going to establish that he's just not a god he is the god so this word yahweh means he if again if i in context of when it was written if i was a young jew sitting and reading this passage i would say god he who brings into existence whatever exists he who brings into existence Whatever exists. Now, what this means is, let's peel this back and go a little bit further. What this means is that we're praising a God who was not brought into existence, but existence was brought into its own existence through a God who is existence. (laughs) God was not created, but he is a creative being who in him is the very nature and character of creation. So when God speaks, he can't help but have creation fall out of his mouth. If you were to cut God and he were to bleed, it's this picture of Jesus being beaten and flogged by the Roman government. It's the picture of Jesus being nailed to a tree and bleeding. And if you will, as Jesus bled, he was bleeding existence. He was bleeding creation. He was bleeding creative ways of bringing back to life things that the enemy has meant to kill and destroy. So in the beginning, we have an enemy who wanted to steal and destroy and take what was rightfully ours. And that happened in this garden called the Garden of Eden. And Jesus Christ can't help but bleed existence and creation over the things that were made dead because of sin. So we're praising God. When you see Judah, it's this idea of we're praising the God of creation. We're praising creation as a being. We're praising that which existed before existence actually came about. The word Yahweh is made up of four letters. And if you look up what the number four represents biblically, wild. It represents the number of creation. So what it's saying to me is the God of creation, if you were to ask God, God, who are, it's in the Old Testament, there's a story where this famous character says, God, who are you? And he says, I am. What a strange answer. I am. It's like I I give myself my own existence because I existed before time existed. I exist outside of time. I gave time, it's, Parameters. I gave creation its breath. Are, are you with me this morning? So we're praising the God of creation. We're praising the God of everything. And so what we're saying in this moment is, God, we're going to praise you, the God of everything, and trust that you can change anything because you're the God of everything that exists. So we're like, yes, Jesus, let us pray being led by this praise of a God who is creation himself. Jacob was the fourth son of his father, Jacob, and his mother, Leah. He was the fourth son, the number of creation. But this is fascinating. He was the fourth son, but he received the blessing of, of the first son. And this points, it's this picture into the future that at the moment, Judah doesn't know yet. Judah doesn't know this yet, but young Judah is being blessed by his father with something that he doesn't realize yet. He's saying to him, son, all of creation will be redeemed through you, the fourth son. Because Jesus Christ, his Jesus, Jesus' lineage comes through What? Judah, who becomes a tribe, who becomes a nation, who bears a guy named David, and through the line of David, Jesus is born. And if God can change the order of blessing for the fourthborn to receive the firstborn's blessing, God can change the blessing that he has for you, even if you don't think you were born into the right order of things. God, I just don't think I deserve it. Neither did Judah. But God is the God of creation. All things exist through him. So God's saying to you, when you come to me, the God of everything, I can change anything because I can reorder anything. Are you with me this morning? So prayer led by praise is the power to change anything as we praise the God of everything. And that's where we start that's where we start. Number 2, prayer led by praise defines who you are. In verse 9, imagine this, Judah's dad Jacob is standing there and he's like, "Hey, so sons, gather around. I'm going to start blessing you with all of the things that I have for you." And they're like, "Woo! I want all of my dad's sheep and I want all of his goats and I want all of his all of, you know, all of his livestock. I want all of his riches. I want everything." That brings wealth. And so they're like all sitting around all 12 of them. And they're like, you know who? It's like the reading of the will before dad dies. And they're like, oh, what do we get? And, and, and can you imagine for a second, Judah, he's standing there. And he, you know, Jacob gets to Judah and he says, no, Judah, um, I want you to understand something. You're like the lion's cub. And Judah's got to be thinking, what about the livestock? I don't want to be a lion's cub. I want to own the I want the Cadillacs. I, 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 I want all the travel points that you haven't used so I can go to exotic places. I want all I want all the material things. And the blessing that Judah receives is a blessing that he doesn't know that he needs yet. Let me back up. I'm going to say this again. Judah ends up receiving a blessing from his father in the simple statement that you are a lion's cub. And he does it. And and I can tell right now, some of you are like, I don't understand how that's a blessing. And that's how blessings work. Blessings are not things that you say, God, bless me with this, jukebox Jesus, and then he gives you what you want. Blessings, when you look historically in the Bible, were things that the priests would profess over people that the people didn't realize they needed until the moment that what was professed over them was needed. Are you following me? So sometimes you receive blessings and you throw blessings out because you're like, I don't, need, I don't need this right now. And God's like, but that's why it's a blessing. Because I'm blessing you with something that you don't know that you need yet. And you need to know that you're, you're the cub of a lion. This is what his dad is saying. That today, your, your heavenly father is saying to you, Did you know that you're a cub of a lion? He's defining who he is. In the simple statement, Jacob is actually defining who God is by saying to Judah, You're the cub of a you're the offspring, you're the child, you're the kid of. And the lion is the king of the jungle. And you're the cub, you're the kid to the king of the jungle. And isn't life like a jungle sometimes? It's like, man, I watched a fight almost break out in Nice, sprouts locally here over a guy getting a sandwich who wasn't wearing a mask. And a guy who was wearing a mask started screaming profanities at the guy not wearing a mask and saying, you're killing everybody. It was insane. The police had to be called on the guy wearing the mask. The dude not wearing the mask was like, I have like very like I have medical issues. I can, I'm super sorry. He's like, all like Lee, I'll do whatever. And this guy is like pounding. On, and I'm going, This is insane. I'm just trying to shop at my sprouts, man. I'm like, It's a jungle in here. Have, you, have any of you seen some of this happen yet? Bruh, let me tell you. I'm not saying one or the other. All I'm saying. All I'm saying is, sometimes the environment that you and I live in, work in, sleep in, can be tough environments. And it makes it easier when you realize that you're not the prey, but you're the predator. And the lion is the predator, and he's on the prowl for the enemy. And there's an enemy that wants to come to seek, to kill and destroy and take away from you the things that God has promised you. And Jacob in this moment is saying to his son, son that God is saying to you right now, son and daughter, I want you to know you're the cub of a lion. And I, my voice brings terror into the territory when the enemy hears it. Even the enemy and his demons know who God is. Do you? Because when you know who God is, you begin to understand who you are. And he's saying, Jacob, my son, Jacob's saying, Judah, my son, you are a lion's cub. Sometimes, you know, in the midst of situations, I'm just going to be real vulnerable. Not like I don't sometimes, but. Have you ever w- woken up in the morning and you know you're never supposed to be a strong husband? You know you're never supposed to be a strong dad? You know you're never supposed to be a strong employer, employee, a strong friend, brother, sister, parent, whatever. you just like, I don't feel like it today. Maybe some of the places, maybe some of the things that you've been going through, the nature of the environment right now, you don't feel. I just don't, I don't feel like I am. And this is what I love about this passage. When, when, when we pray led by praise, and it begins to define who we are, It's because we're focused on who the lion is until we begin feeling like we're a lion. Let me say that a different way. Sometimes you and I have to have a perspective shift. Instead of saying what we don't feel like we are, start declaring who God is. Because if you declare who God is, you by nature will be able to stand and who he says you are. And you are a kid and a cub of the king. And you may not feel it. But I'm telling you, this sounds funny, you declare it until you begin to walk in it. You know what I love? Is that the enemy, he's just... The worst thing in the world that could happen is, is for you and I to begin to declare and walk in who he, the enemy already knows who we are. He wants to keep us like veiled. He doesn't want us to realize who we are. If we realize what we carry and who we are, the enemy has a problem. Because the enemy wants to make you and I feel like prey. And the moment we know who we are, he knows that we've figured out his trick. And we go from being hunted to Hunter. And we're able to look at what Satan wants to do in our lives, in our emotional life, in our physical life, in our financial life, in our communities, in our state, in our county, in our country, globally, we're able to look at the enemy and say this, I'm sorry, you must not realize that I know who my dad is. So I want you to take your punk butt. And I want you to walk away from the lies of anxiety, of depression, of suicide, of isolation, of sickness, and I want you to march out of here. Have you ever seen like a little kid, like a scene where like a little kid Finally, gets the gumption to like speak up to the bully, and the little kid's like, "I've had it with you," and the bully is like, "Oh, like shuddering." It, rem- it reminds me of have you ever seen Lion King, Simba, you know, and the the hyenas. The hyenas are like. Fully ruling the roost On Simba And Simba's like And the hyenas take off And there's Simba And Simba thinks That he's his like big bad self Was the one who scared the hyenas off And then like the camera pulls back And you see Mufasa Can I tell you something God is standing there He always has your back and you and i don't have a big enough voice on our own but we're backed by the voice of a roaring lion and so when the enemy wants to bring his punk butt into our life and start telling us stuff that ain't true i can stand up and go bully and if i have to i'll believe it's me but i guess who i know is standing behind me and we're just like he's a lion i'm a cub but that makes me a lion. And it's time for you to understand that I know who I am because I'm declaring who God is. And too often, we want to declare who we are and it's not in alignment with who God says we are. Now, I want to warn you about something. When you take this approach and you say, I'm going to start, I'm going to start praising and declaring who God is in the middle of circumstances, <laughs> people are not going to know how to respond to you. I'm going to tell you why. Because when you lead by praising God for who he is, it sets you apart from the rest of society that we're being taught to praise ourselves for who we feel like we want to be. So we're passing laws right now in the state of California that allow for people because they feel like it. And we don't want to offend people's feelings, although feelings change. So I don't even know if I'm offending you right now because it depends how you feel. Are you with me? Okay. So we suddenly get these laws, the past, where it's like, it's okay for an adult to be a pedophile because you can't deny their feelings. We cannot base things on feelings. We need something solid that never changes. And I'm gonna tell you, who never changes. God never changes. He's a lion yesterday. He's a lion today. He's a lion tomorrow. And so I have to be careful with my feelings. And society, the whole premise of society is whatever makes you feel what? Good, do it. Right? So just bring the praise on me. Just praise me. Praise me for who I am. But it absolutely does not align to who God says you are. But we can't say anything because it'll offend someone's feelings. This is kind of tough talk. But I want you to understand that when you are set apart, when you're praising God in these ways, and, and you're set apart, this is what it makes you and I think this is really important. I think this is what the world needs right now. This makes you a leader. And leaders lead and leave legacies. When we base things on feeling, we follow and ultimately will fail. We need to be leaders. Today, if you're listening, if you're sitting here and you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus. Pat, I'm tracking with what you're saying. I'm telling you, we need to be leaders in this. And society's gonna look at you sideways. Why in the world would you praise God? Like, you're praising God for something that I can't even see yet. You're like, yeah, but I'm praising the God that brings everything to existence that exists. So I'm praising him because he's already done those things. And I may not see them yet, but those are the blessings. They don't understand. See, see what I mean? You're trying to explain, you're trying to explain something to somebody that, that's not their context. That's not their, that's not their paradigm. So I don't think as Christians, I'm speaking to Christians, I don't think we should try to explain. I think we need to lead. We need to show up with our actions. Let's preach. <laughs> we have to be. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. So we want to grab a hold of this. Prayer led by praise defines who we are by declaring who God is. It defines who we are by declaring who God is. Lastly, prayer led by praise takes territory. In verse 10, it says the scepter or the king's staff. Now, uh, when you read this this passage, it says the scepter will not depart from Judah. And so I, I want to describe what a king's staff is. A king's staff, if you've seen pictures of kings and they're standing there in their, their robly attire and they've got the crown and the, the beard and whatever they've got, and they're holding a, a scepter in their hand. And a scepter can be short, You know, the, the things that look like someone bedazzled it. And it's got jewels all over it. And it's, it's either a short kind of scepter with some sort of decoration on it or it can be a rod or a staff so imagine like a a big stick that the king holds and and this is a sign of authority the scepter is is a sign that that whoever's holding it has the power so you'll see in movies that that you're always the evil person's always trying to get like the leader's um, scepter from them the king why and it has like some power it's it's the authority and the power that it represents so i want us to to Understand the context of the scripture and when it was written that, that the world, it was ruled by kings. Like we don't have like kings. Kings don't rule. We have you know, a whole different set of like political makeup. And so sometimes kingship kind of misses us. And so I want you to understand the authority that this, this scepter, that this rod, that this staff brings. And, and so Jacob is saying to his son, he's saying, hey, the scepter, the king's staff, the authority, the power for you to move in victory... Will never depart from you, son. You know, the authority and the power to be able to declare victory over your circumstances will never depart from you, Judah. There's, just, there's just this powerful thing in praise. And you think, like, what does that have to do with me? It's 2020. That's nice for Judah. The guy was living, and he wanted the goats and the sheep, and he wanted all the stuff. And, you know, he's getting these lions, cub, and all these great things. And I'm sitting here in 2020, and I'm just trying to get through this month. And it's month seven of quarantines and all this whatever's going on. And I don't know the circumstances but god is always relevant for you today and we can learn from our yesterdays and so listen to what this passage says this is this is wild this is for you this is for me it says nor the ruler's staff from between his feet you're like that's great that's great that it was lying there on the ground between his feet but it's like you got to back up and dig a little bit deeper if you're willing to do the work and dig a little bit deeper this is what this really means it says nor the ruler's staff from his descendants. That's what that means, what that term means when you break it down. When you look in the Hebrew, it's you and I as descendants of Judah. How are we descendants of Judah? Because out of the person Judah came the tribe of Judah, came the territory of Judah, came a guy named David who our faith in the sense that Jesus Christ came from the line of David, who came from the line of Judah. And so when we see that the authority and the power that we have in our praise is passed on to his descendants. You and I, through Jesus Christ, dying on the cross and being our victory and creating life where death once existed, we now can stand with power and authority in our praise and we can declare over the territories of our life, breathe life into dead places. And it says, until he to whom it belongs, that's Jesus, by the way. If you don't, when you read the Bible, like, most the, like, always the answer is Jesus. If you're like, who are they talking about? You could probably say, Jesus. You're probably right. Until he to whom it all belongs, Jesus shall come. Jesus is going to come back and the obedience of the nations shall be his. The obedience of the nations, the obedience of kingdoms, the obedience of... We don't call the country China or the country the United States or Canada. We don't call them territories. We don't call them kingdoms. We call them what? Nations. They're territories. Do you know that Jesus is in the business of taking back territory? Territory was stolen from you. When sin happened in the garden... See, territory isn't just physical. Territory is is all the areas, all the landscape of your emotional life, all the landscape of your physical life, all the landscape of your spiritual life, all the landscape of your financial life, all the landscape of your relational life. That there are territories that you have in your life that the enemy is running wild in, making you and I think that we're the prey when really we're on the side of the predator. Are you with me this morning? And so Jesus I love the fact that he's in the business of taking back territory. So Judah's leadership, when, when, so, so let, let's look at this slide very quickly. I'm going to wrap up here, but we, I want us to see this. When you look at Judah here and where Judah's positioned, Judah is strategically positioned for this purpose, that they are going to lead as a crucial part in taking territory that was promised to them. And the name of the territory that was promised to them ended up being, we see the, in the, in the scriptures as promised land. Here's the name of it, Jericho. They physically move into this land that was promised to them, led by praise, and this is what they do. they got to take Jericho. they got to take back territory. You're like, God, you're the God of everything. Can't you just do all the work? God's like, no, I need you to actually be activated in praise. Did you know that the word praise does not exist in the scripture? It's an English word. Praise does not exist in the Old Testament. Does not, it's, it's, this word praise actually has seven different words that make up the one word we say praise. I'm not going to get into all the definitions of it, but I will tell you that each one of those seven words, this is what it has in common. That it requires movement from the person who is praising. A physical response. So the word praise, one of them halal or in, in the in the Hebrew, it may mean to like shoot your hands forward. Like so you see people lift their hands. It may mean fall on your face and bow low. It may, it may mean to clamorously respond, like almost like wildly. It, it's like, are you willing, are you willing to make yourself look like a fool in your praise for God? This is what I'm saying. If you're not willing to move, you can't praise and you can't take back the territory. It requires you and I to move. And Israel's promised land, Jericho, was taken with praise. We're going we're gonna to dive more into this next week, but a little bit of the story. Joshua 6. The nation of Israel comes into the land that was promised to them, and there's this city, Jericho, and it's got these walls around it and gates, and this city is buttoned up really super tight. No one can get in. No one can get out. Because they know here comes the nation of Israel. I think sometimes our enemy, I think sometimes Satan is like, oh, here, 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 they, oh, they know who they, they know who they are and to who they belong. We're in trouble. So here's the nation visual. They go in, and God tells them this really funny thing. They're supposed to walk around this city for six days and not talk. Some of us have a really hard time with that. God's like, I need, God's like, I need you. I need you to just pay attention to the process. The process is the walking. And, and to pay attention to the process, sometimes you need, just need to be silent before God. So I think there's this process, right? God, so He's like walking. They walk for six days. On the seventh day, He tells them, "I want you to release a shout. I want you to blow the trumpets. And when you release praise, I'm going to deliver Jericho into your hands." This is what it says: When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. I love this picture. The praise destroys the walls. But, there's a but to this. The wall collapsed, semicolon. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. What I'm telling you is, it is entirely possible to praise God for who he is Watch him rip down the walls and stay stuck in your position and not climb over the rubble of the walls and take the city. Are you willing to move? Because so many times in my life, I was like, God, I'm stuck. He's like, I know. But you're not willing to move. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to. It's too hard. He's like, but the walls of the city, the walls of the territory that you need to take back have already been ripped down. You just gotta take the city, Pat. I don't want to. So many times God was just like, then stay stuck. Now in human terms, it's stay stuck and don't complain. And God's like, stay stuck. When you're ready, I'm here. How long, how long are you gonna sit in the position you're in, stuck? And God's saying, it's time to move. Take back the territory. Take it back. Two practical things. Number one, if you've been doing this challenge with us, you came today with a prayer request for yourself and a prayer request for someone else. here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those prayer requests and hopefully they're written out. And then I want you to write down a truth about who God is every single day this week. I want you to simply write down a truth about who God is every single day this week. Then what I want you to begin to do is I want you to pray, to be a leader and pray praise God for who he is as the ultimate leader in taking back the territory of your life. Taking back the territory of these things that you're praying for someone else about. And then you're not gonna wanna miss next week. We're gonna talk further about some practical things. We're gonna talk about strategies and wisdom and how God speaks to us as we pray and our first ask is is not to fix the problem, but to give us wisdom. Amen? Amen. Have a good Sunday.